sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after live right here on this third on Tuesday, excuse me, on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Listen, I was here last night until midnight Eastern time on in-game live bracket central with James Young looking at the final college basketball game of the year, a national final between Connecticut and San Diego State. My days are a little bit mixed up as college basketball has come to an end. It's Tuesday live right here on the morning after. Maybe I'm excited for Thursday because the Azaleas are going to be in full bloom despite the weather not being great in Augusta, Georgia. The unofficial start of spring, it is the 2023 Masters. We'll talk all the storylines heading into Augusta this week here in just a moment. We'll go around the Major League Baseball diamond, our daily diamond dash, with Craig Mission and the man that was here with me live in studio just to my left until midnight last night, James Young will join us to recap the college basketball season one final time and look forward to the home stretch of this NBA regular season with the playoffs on the horizon. Dun 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 that is my rendition of the Masters theme song. Live from Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. Starting on Thursday, the playing of the 2023 Masters. So many storylines entering this week. The big cat on the prowl once again. Eldrick, Tiger Woods, is at Augusta National in hopes of finding his sixth green jacket. Rory McIlroy looking for the career grand slam with a clear top three right now in the world of golf from the odds perspective. Let's look at those future prices to win the 2023 Masters outright. At this time last week, Rory McIlroy was the slight favorite ahead of Scotty Scheffler. Now it is Scotty who won the green jacket just last year in 2022. We have only had three repeat champions in the 85 plus years of the playing of the Masters. Jack Nicklaus, Nick Faldo in the most recent Tiger Woods in 2001 and 2002. So Scotty looking to etch his name alongside those golfing legends. Rory McIlroy has won four career major championships. His last, the 2014 PGA Championship. It has been a decade nearly since Rory McIlroy last won a major championship. And the last and the one that he has not won is here at Augusta, the 2023 Masters are really just the Masters in general. Rory looking to be the sixth golfer ever to complete the career Grand Slam. Here are the odds for Rory McIlroy to do that at some point this season. But there is that big three right now. Not just for this major championship, but all year long in golf in 2023. Who might win the most majors out of guys that when they are playing at their premier level are the best golfer on the planet? Roy McIlroy to win the most plus 150. John Rahm just behind at plus 175 and Scotty Scheffler plus 185. All three of these guys might not win a major this year, but we have seen the best in the world of golf rise to the occasion throughout this calendar year. We have seen Scotty 
win already at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and also at, or excuse me, not at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but at the Players' Championship. John Rahm won his first three starts of his five here on this calendar year in 2023. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after. Live right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. It is Masters Week at Augusta National as the golf world descends on the 2023 Masters. The first major championship of this year. Scotty Scheffler is the slight favorite right now at 7-1. to one. But look up and down that odds board. The player with the 7th best price, tied for the 7th best price, to win a major championship is Cameron Smith. He is now a live golfer. Dustin Johnson at 25-1, to one, a former Masters champion with the ninth best number, is also a live golfer. We have the ruling out now. Live golfers can play in major championships. So they will be back in the field alongside their former PGA Tour co-workers. The drama, the narratives, the storylines that will follow Live Golf and PGA Tour Golf this week in a showdown at Augusta. Rory McIlroy looking to win the career Grand Slam. Right now he is favored to at least have a very solid week at Augusta. Minus 135 to be a top 10 finisher. Plus 750, the second best price to win the green jacket inside Butler Cabin on Sunday. Something Tiger Woods has done five times in his career. Of course, it was the return to glory in 2019 when Tiger Woods pulled off what was frankly impossible by winning his 15th major championship and his fifth Masters championship. Here are the odds for the big cat on the prowl at the grounds at Augusta National. To finish top 10, a long number, 7-1. to one. Even to be in the top 30, that's plus 115. He is 85-1 to one to win his sixth green jacket. And when you're Tiger Woods, you have an entire component of the odds board dedicated to yourself. And some specials for Tiger to have at least a couple of good days at Augusta National. He made the cut last year after that car accident just about 15 months prior. More of the morning after, up next, here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On this show, live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after, we've talked a lot about the end of seasons. The final college basketball game of the year last night in Houston, UConn a national champion once again. The ending, the final five days of this NBA regular season, but Major League Baseball is just underway in its first week of the year. But around the bigs today, starters, aces making their second start of the season welcome back to the morning after live right here on this tuesday our daily diamond dash with craig mish the host of newswire our mlb insider here on the sports grid network craig as always thank you for joining us here our daily routine throughout this major league baseball season of course ben ready to get into it lots of runs being scored in baseball lots of action shorter games i'm enjoying it thus far 
Listen, it's only been about five days of this Major League Baseball season. The sample size is small, but it seems as though the intentions of the pitch timer, the larger bases, helping out making these games a little bit more exciting, certainly taking away from the three true outcomes and keeping things moving a little bit quicker. Runs yesterday as well, Craig, between the Braves and the Cardinals. Yep. 12, mm -hmm. in fact, as Atlanta wins 8-5. to five. Craig, as you evaluate these two teams in the National League, what do you think the outlook is for both Atlanta and St. Louis this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, Ben, you know, initially you look at it and I think you have to ask yourself, you know, who the Cardinals are. I, I think we sort of know who the Braves are, but what's been fascinating for me with the Cardinals, and I, and I know they only scored four runs yesterday, is it does look to me, and this will be important for the rest of the season, like they have a different approach. And Chris Bassett of the Toronto Blue Jays talked about it over the weekend. They, he did not expect the Cardinals to be just sort of ambushing starting pitchers. Usually they've had a very patient approach. Good hitters, make no mistake about it, with Goldschmidt and Arenado. But they've added some big pieces to the lineup. We saw Alec Burleson do well last night also. That's a new name for them. Nolan Gorman is a new name over the last year for them as well. I think the Cardinals, Ben, are going to score more runs than people think. And maybe the approach is like that just because you look at the Cardinals starting pitching, and generally that's been the strong point for them. It was not going into the season, and they lost Adam yeah. Wainwright at the beginning of the year too. So that's a team that I have my eye on as far as like uh, team totals going into each game, just seeing what their run total mm -hmm. is. And even in a bad night last night, they still put up four runs, Ben. So, uh, yeah, I I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Atlanta's a very good team. You know who they are. I, I don't think I need yeah. to tell you. You kind of know who they are. Yeah, the World Series champions from two years ago. The Braves, a slight odds-on favorite in the National League East, minus 105. St. Louis, an odds-on favorite to win the National League Central at minus 130. Speaking of runs, the Milwaukee Brewers, Craig, in their home opener yesterday against the New York Mets, blank the Amazons, and they score 10. So, Craig, what will be your approach this year to the National League Central? Which teams outside of St. Louis will you be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't think it's any different than we've seen in years past. I, I know, Ben, there has been a lot of push for the Cubs as far as potentially being an underdog winning the division. I, I don't see that. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. But I suppose, look, everybody is an analyst and everybody has an opinion and some people like to just say it for the heck of it. I, I'm not in on that. Now, as far as the Brewers are concerned, Ben, the approach doesn't change with them because even yesterday you saw Bryce Terang go deep. You saw Brian Anderson, who came over from Miami in the offseason. You saw him go deep. The, the Brewers, like the Reds, have a habit of making stars out of sort of these anonymous players because of the ballpark that they play in. And that also goes for Cincinnati because the ballpark that they play in. In Pittsburgh, it's relatively easy to hit, too. So between, like, all those teams playing against each other, you're going to see a lot of runs like you always do. It's just the problem is when these players leave Milwaukee in general, it's kind of like leaving cores. They're sort of not the same uh, player. The difference between the Brewers, to me, Ben, and everybody else is they got pitching, right? Like, that, that's the difference between the Brewers, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds is they can throw Burns yeah. at you, they can throw Peralta at you, they can throw Woodruff at you, and, you know, you know obviously that and Devin Williams in ninth inning. That's obviously the difference. So if you, if you wanted to flip a coin between these two teams and say, hey, I think any team can win it, I think it would be fair. So that's kind of – I just don't think any of the other teams in the division have a chance. And, and I think FanDuel will be adjusting these odds all season long. At some point, the Brewers will be favored. At some point, the Cardinals will be favored. It's going to be a two-team race, at least for me. Craig, I think it would be very surprising to see the Brew crew play 10 runs today as they will face off against – 
Mad Max Scherzer. Scherzer making his second start of the year, both coming on the road. He won on opening day against the Miami Marlins. Right now, the Mets a pretty heavy favorite on that money line on the road in Milwaukee, minus 166. Craig, around the league, we are going to see a couple of aces going today for the second time this year. Mm -hmm. What do you think the plan of attack is for Scherzer against the Brewers today? Yeah, Scherzer in his first start was completely dominant for about five innings and then made one bad pitch in the sixth inning to uh, Garrett Cooper of Miami, and that ended up dooming him in that game uh, the first time around. I I think the difference for Scherzer 2023 as opposed to 2018 or 19, Ben, is you just have to watch him later in games and so what i would look to here is potentially either taking the mets in the first five or taking the under in the first five today my Mm. confidence in scherzer is still very high over a four five six inning stretch but this is kind of who he's been the last couple of years is that he's still dominant but at some point uh fades a little bit in the end so at least that's the way that i view it i still think the mets will come back today ben i love taking teams that get blown out the day before it feels like they're sharper. The approach is better. And, uh, you know, cle- I look, also, let's be honest, yesterday, Carlos Carrasco, I mean, I hope he's okay, but his velocity, you know, certainly was down from where it was in the past, too. That may have been a factor why Milwaukee scored so many runs, but why the Mets didn't score at all, I don't know. And right now, Craig, Cookie's one of the starters that is healthy for New York. It is a story that has plagued the Mets' starting staff the last couple of years, and we have already seen that here very early on Justin Verlander on opening day placed on the IL of course we know that they will be without Edwin Diaz their closer for what is probably the entirety of this Major League Baseball season so Craig what is your level of concern around the health of the Mets pitching staff not much I I think it's you know again early in the season if you're going to want to have injuries this is the time I remember also Verlander uh, Ben is throwing so that's like a really good yeah. sign. When, when, you have, when you have a team that says, hey, we're going to shut this guy down for a week or two, I mean, that's a month or two injury for sure because then he's got to get built back up. It doesn't seem to be happening with Verlander, so I don't think that it's going to be a long-term injury for him. And again, with the way that Senga pitched the last time out, you still have Scherzer there at the top. Uh, you know, Peterson looked capable. McGill looks capable. And with the Mets hitting, you would think that maybe they'll just have to slug their way through these first couple months of the season. So... Uh, you know, look, it is the Mets, and so you never know what could happen with the Mets over the course of the year. The crazy things happen always to the Mets. But yeah. you know, talk to me in August and September, and let me see how they look. I mean, in the end, they're still going to win their ninety games, get in the postseason. I just don't know how far they'll go with it. Craig, a goose egg yesterday in Milwaukee. Who do you think provides that offensive spark for the Amazons today against the Brewers? Yeah, and you know, today on FanDuel specifically, I'm going to play Pete Alonzo. I, I think he's got a great matchup today against Wade Miley. It's just stunning to me that he's still in the league. To be honest with you, Ben, but uh, good for him. I mean, I, how much? Sir, I mean, it's it, when you get 10 year service time in Major League Baseball, Ben. I don't think people talk about this enough. Yeah. What a tremendous accomplishment this is! You get that tremendous pension, hundreds of thousands of dollars for playing the game so long. It's incredible. Um, lefty-righty matchup, I'm going to go there. And also, on the other side, I'm going to take UC Kikuchi, uh, you know, just kind of go a little bit deeper in terms of starting pitching. Now, Ben, let me say this. Yeah. I'll be the first one to – and it's Kansas City. I think they have – like they scored like one run all year, something like that. But he's yeah. cheap. He's 7,900. But let me say this, Ben. I'm the first one to admit and come on the show and say what I was wrong. We got off to the worst start yesterday we possibly could get off to in terms of starting pitching. 
my gosh, okay. the pitcher that I picked yesterday gave up four home runs in one inning. I took my big fat L. I got a winner today better with Kikuchi. My gosh, Michael Kopech, I will never pick you again. Listen, Craig Mish, it's very early on in this Major League Baseball season. We're all still learning and getting adjusted to a new year in 2023. Craig, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk tomorrow. Now James right, Young man. joins the show to recap the season in college basketball. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is a Tuesday, live right here on the morning after. But it doesn't feel all that long ago because, frankly, it wasn't that I sat here in these sports grid studios on National Championship Monday night alongside my guy, James Young. I hope everybody tuned in to our final in-game live bracket central of the year, our National Championship special, because James Young joins us live now here on this Tuesday on the morning after. To recap the final college basketball game of the year, what it means for the sport moving forward, and then J.Y., Next segment, as you are here for a twofer, we'll focus on the final few days of this NBA regular season. JY, thank you for getting up early with us after a very late night into the early morning hours to end a college basketball season. You know what? If it was anybody else, I wouldn't get up. Because it's you, Ben, and Frizo and James and the rest of the crew, I had to get up for you. That and my two children had me up at 6 o'clock anyway, so not like I was sleeping in. And you've already grinded a Peloton workout on the bike as well. You sleep none. John Rothstein would be proud, J.Y. We sleep in May. It is still April, despite the fact this college basketball season has come to a close. And it ends, J.Y., with UConn as a national champion. For the fifth time in the last 24 years, Connecticut stands atop the sport of men's college hoops 76 59 the victory last night against san diego state in the national title game uconn covers jy as a pregame six and a half point favorite the pregame total 131 and a half pushes to the over jy we sat here together for three hours live last night recapping everything from a live perspective in giving that coronation to connecticut placing the crown as a national championship on the head of Dan Hurley and his Huskies. What stood out to you most about the final college basketball game of the year between Connecticut and San Diego State? Just the way that Connecticut just beat you down. We talked about it last night, how I kept saying that Connecticut throws haymakers, other teams throw jabs. And at some point during the game, there's going to be the kill shot. There's going to be that shot that when you think Connecticut is on the ropes, they're going to hit a big shot, and that's going to be the end of the game. For us last night, 60-55, all of a sudden we talked about how San Diego State was poor. I think it was 234, if I remember last night, defending off-screen action. Here comes Hawkins off the screen. Handoff, bang, 63-55, game yeah. over. That's the thing that I took from Connecticut is they there were teams that threw punches. Go remember, they were losing Iona at the break. St. Mary's was in the game for about 26, 27 minutes. 
you know, the game versus um, was Gonzaga was a four point game late in the first half. And then they just have this gear where they just crank it up defensively. But what I was also impressed with, it was everybody last night contributed. Yeah. Everybody's going to talk about Sunogo. How about Newton with a double-double last night? How about the defense of Jackson? The big shots of Hawkins. Calcaterra hitting two big threes. You know, so there was so much that was done besides Sunogo. And the last thing is this. Finally, after all these years, people don't have to talk about Dan Hurley is Bob Hurley's son or Dan Hurley is Bobby Hurley's little brother, right? He can now say he is Dan Hurley, and that's much deserved. J.Y., you are our coach. You grew up in those coaching circles in New Jersey where Bob Hurley Sr. was a legend in the high school ranks, one of the most legendary high school basketball coaches in the history of the sport in America, doing it at St. Anthony's in Jersey City. Dan Hurley living under the shadow of his father and his brother, Bobby Hurley, a national champion as a point guard at Duke. Dan Hurley now a national champion himself as the head coach for Connecticut. JY, a UConn program that has won five national titles in the last 24 seasons with three different head coaches. Jim Calhoun has three, Kevin Ollie has one, and Dan Hurley now cutting down the nets as a national champ as well. Those five national titles, JY, the most in the country in this span, North Carolina and Duke, the next closest, they have three apiece. So, JY, where do you place Connecticut in the pantheon of college basketball around the nation? They're a blue blood. They, they, they've, they've arrived because they've had more national championships over that span than anybody. And if you talk about, I think we talked about it last night, if you combine the women, they got what? 16 national championships? 16. Like, that's absurd, the number of championships that they've won between men's and women's basketball. So they go on that Blue Bud program. Just like when Jay Ray was ending his time at Villanova and he got his three, then we said, well, they're in a Blue Blood. So it's amazing how basketball has transformed for a lot a while it was the midwest it was the south and the west the northeast was the top of the crop with the big east they kind of fell off and now between villanova and obviously uh yukon getting five national championships in the last what two decades they turn around and they put the big east right squarely back on the map four national championships for the conference since 2014 what a month run it has been for the Big East, dominating the headlines of this coaching carousel and Cooley from Providence to Georgetown. Rick Patino back in the Big East, the head coach up in Queens for St. John's. Kim English keeping the roster together there in Friartown. It is going to be one of the best conferences in the country. Shaka Smart winning National Coach of the Year. And it might have been the best conference of the country this year, J.Y., as the national champion, UConn, was a perfect 17-0 outside of the Big East. There are eight losses all in conference play this season. But for the highs of winning a national championship, J.Y., there are also the Valleys, and that is what San Diego State experienced last night. Not quite good enough. The offensive struggles that have played the Aztecs at times this year rearing their ugly head in a national championship game. But for Brian Dutcher and SDSU to even be in the title, their first ever appearance is a true testament to the program that has been built in Southern 
California. JY, for San Diego State to get to its first ever Elite Eight, the first ever for a Mountain West team, its first ever Final Four, its first ever national championship after being winless in its previous three tries in the big dance in these six years under Brian Dutcher. What does it mean for San Diego State? And then JY, what does it mean for a program like this reaching the national championship for the sport in general of college basketball? Well, we talked last night about the respect that we both have for Brian Dutcher, kind of doing it the right way, being a loyal assistant to Steve Fisher, and really just kind of taking what Steve Fisher did and just kind of blowing the roof off and getting them to the Final Four. What does it also say about experience matters? Having mm. senior seniors that are stepping up and do the things they did, guys like Paris, guys like Butler, guys like Mensa, older guys. This is what we're going to see, folks, For the, until I feel like between NIL and obviously the transfer portal, you're going to see more mid-major teams make deep runs in a tournament because of cohesion of the rosters. That is going to be key. So when you say San Diego State made it, it's a surprise. Yes. Will we see another Florida Atlantic or San Diego State next year? I think there's a chance because you will yeah. see that cohesion of those teams hold together and then go pick a kid or two out of the, port the portal to fortify your roster rather than trying to load up on four or five-star recruits and then going into the portal. Experience was key, and that's why teams like San Diego State and teams like Florida Atlantic made it to the Final Four, and you will see it happen more in the future. FAU is 30-1 to already to win next year's national championship. Florida Atlantic didn't check in on the national championship odds until the middle of January this year. J.Y., as you look at experience leading the way in college basketball, Adama Sanoga, the most outstanding player for Connecticut in this NCAA tournament, more than likely will be back in stores next season because he has a purpose in college hoops that might not translate to the NBA. And with the NIL era, he can profit off his name, image, and likeness. It's a little bit different from foreign-born players, unfortunately, a very dumb rule. And Adama Sanogo is from Mali, and he has spoken about his background and picking up a basketball at 13 and now being the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament. What impressed you most, JY, about Sanogo in this run for Connecticut? Just his sheer aggressiveness. We, we talked about a concept last night of getting the ball into the hole. If you get the ball or Donna Sonogo in the hole, which is that restricted area, game, set, match. It's over. And he continued to bury San Diego State. And let's be honest, everyone else. But it was more than just burying people in the hole. It was catching the ball at the high post and driving the ball, catching the perimeter driving. How about a team like Gonzaga to double-team them? Six assists. He showed everything. I'm going to say yes. this. I, I think he comes back. I think he enjoys college. I think there's ways. I think the name and lighting rule is going to have to change when it comes to foreign-born players. But if you bring him back and you got Caravan and Donovan Klingon comes back, you got some of the bench guys, three top 100 recruits, and if uh, if Jackson decides to stay, he's going to be intriguing because he's not ready yet yep. offensively. UConn can be right back where they started. And that's why right now, 
they're the favorites to win a national championship next year. You see it right there, 11 to 1 for the Connecticut Huskies in their attempt to go back to back as a national title winner in men's college basketball. Now to the association. Up next, live right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Five more days remain in this NBA regular season. The play-in tournaments will begin this time next week. So welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Tuesday, the stretch run of the association. I am Ben Stevens. Our coach James Young takes off the college hat and he puts on the association cap now to get you set for this regular season finale. Betting above the rim starts this weekend as well. JY, Kevin Walsh, Chris Kofsky, Joe Frizo, everybody in the fold on that great program. Andrew Bocciavalupo. I believe as well on batter as it is known here on the spiz grizz network so jy let's look at the eastern conference standings with five games remaining or five days remaining rather in this nba regular season all year long jy it's been that battle of two at the top milwaukee and boston jockeying for position in the standings and in the prices to win an eastern conference championship it seems in these final five days the Bucks will hold on to that number one overall seed. They are the favorites to win the Eastern Conference crown, followed by Boston, and then a pretty significant drop-off both from the standings and odds perspective to Philly, an even larger drop-off, nearly $10, JY, from the Sixers to the Cavs in that three and four distinction. So, JY, you can see there, the odds in the Eastern Conference pretty much follow how the standings lay out at this point. Do you generally agree with the landscape of the East entering the postseason next week? Uh, I do. I, I do think the top three. I, I could argue that I think the Knicks have a good shot against Cleveland. It will depend on the health of Julius Randle, but the play of Jalen Brunson, the way Tips has that team defending. Plus, you know, last year uh, Cleveland was really good. They struggled down the stretch when they got to the playoffs. New York two years ago had a good run, got bounced out. I think they'll be more ready for this opportunity. Now, when you look at the top of the board, I absolutely agree that Milwaukee should be the favorite. Why? Very simple. They don't have to face the Celtics or the Sixers in the Mm. second round. That is a bona fide advantage for a series. I think we'll go seven games between the Celtics and the 76ers. We're going back to the days of the Boston Strangler, Andrew Tony. I mean, this is going to be fantastic, that series in round number two. And I think that that will be the reason why Milwaukee probably makes their way out of the East. I think they're the best team. I will throw out the 40-point loss they had to Boston last week. It happens in the NBA, but you will get a motivated Giannis, especially after losing to Boston last year. And because, J.Y., of how large that drop-off is from the top three to the rest of the Eastern Conference, the fact that the Celtics and the Sixers are in that 2-3 spot right now, respectively, that really paves the way for the Bucks. Speaking of that 2-3 spot and a potential Eastern Conference semifinal showdown, 
we get tonight in the final few days of this NBA regular season. The Sixers and the Celtics in the city of brotherly love. Now, Philadelphia, JY, trying to avoid the season series sweep against Boston. They have lost their first three games against the Celtics, and Boston is covered in all three of those games, booked as the favored side. Tonight, the Seas are a two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Philadelphia. What do you think, JY? Tonight's game will show you about these two teams and their potential postseason outlook. I'm going to say this, and maybe hopefully this makes sense. This game is way more important to Philadelphia than it is to Boston because Philadelphia has gotten pummeled, not just this year, in past years, and it almost seems like that Boston team gives them fits. This is a huge game for me for the psyche of not just uh, the players and the coaching staff of Philadelphia, but the fans of Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, there it's going to be a playoff atmosphere for the 76ers because I think they need to win for their own good. You may sit there and say, yeah. they're professional athletes. Let me tell you something. Professionals know when to get their tail kicked by the same team time after time after time. Professional teams know that when they think this is the end of the line. This is a huge game, huge game for the 76ers. It means nothing for seeding because they're not going to catch Boston. Yeah. This is about pride, and this is about can we beat a better team? I actually like the 76ers tonight on the money line. The line is working just a little bit back toward Boston. Now just a two-point spread in favor of Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, his points props tonight, 31 and a half. His rebounding number, 10 and a hook. JY, he is an odds-on favorite in this final week of the NBA regular season to win the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award. Is the race done? Is Joel Embiid this year's MVP in the association? I, I don't know. Because to me, like, I guess you could say based on the odds, yes. If you would ask me, like, personally, JY, who's the MVP? I think it's Giannis. Why? Mm. Best record? Best team? Best points per game stats in his career? We saw not playing without Middleton for a while. Not playing for holiday at spots. To me, the MVP should be Giannis. They probably won't give it to him because I think this could be about, like, we messed up last year. We should have given it to, you know, Embiid last year. We gave it to Jokic. We can't give it to three straight. So now we even it up. But if you ask me who's the most valuable player in the NBA this year, to me, absolutely, it's Giannis. We'll see what this stretch run could mean for that MVP race, but it seems like JoJo now has that edge to win the NBA MVP. There is the odds component, but of course, the MVP award is voted on based on narrative from media folks that cover the NBA. So let's look deeper in the Eastern Conference, perhaps, JY. We might be seeing a potential Eastern Conference play-in tournament matchup tonight between Atlanta and Chicago. Currently, the Hawks in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. Chicago in that 10th spot, the fourth and final play in position. But the Bulls have a four-game advantage over both the Wizards and the Magic. They will be in the play-in tournament. So as you look at these two teams, JY, 
What do you make of their chances in a play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference next week to get into the real deal, the postseason? I, I can't trust Atlanta. Um, one, because they're on the road tonight. And two, to me, this narrative of Trey Young is, is we have to start talking about it. People start talking about Luke and all this stuff. Besides that run that Trey Young had a couple of years ago when he got his team to the Eastern Conference Finals, what has he done the last two years in the regular season? Remember last year? Oh, I, I, I don't care about the regular season. I, I just want to get to the playoffs. Then he get to the playoffs and lose 4-1 to Miami. And he wasn't even the best player at that point. DeAndre Hunter was the one that was their best player. Now you go into this year, he gets his coach, he gets gets into it uh, with Nate McMillan, gets Nate fired. Now you got a new coach in there. I, I don't believe in them. And here's the other thing, Ben, that's pretty important. Chicago has is one game out of the loss column for eighth place. They are right, they're right behind Toronto, Atlanta. Yeah. This is a big game for the Bulls because they win. They could leapfrog. Maybe Atlanta gets pushed down, and now you only need one win to get into the playoffs as opposed to two wins if you're the 9 or 10 seed. Big game tonight. I saw something out of Chicago in that second half when they came roaring back over Memphis on Sunday. I like the Bulls tonight in their matchup with the Hawks. You saw those Eastern Conference odds for the teams that are in the play-in tournament spot. Everybody very, very long. The Raptors are the only team in either the East or the West right now that is locked into a play-in tournament berth. And their odds to make the playoffs out of the play-in tournament. The Eastern Conference, JY, it's pretty easy to see the tiers and the distinction in the standings. Western Conference, it's a completely different examination. Incredibly jumbled, even here in the final five days of this regular season. So, JY, be our coach. Make sense of this mess out West. <laughs> what? Now we got four teams tied for five through eight? And then we got Minnesota two games like, and you know what? I, we, I, I think you and I talked about it. Shout out to the Minnesota Timberwolves for losing at home Sunday to the Portland Trailblazers without Nurkic, yeah. Grant, Simons, and Lillard. Shout out to you guys. You really showed that you really want to be in the playoffs. That's unbelievable, that performance. But now when you're looking at it, it is this. Those four teams, the Clippers, uh, the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, the Pelicans, are all sitting at that spot five through eight. And to me, the sweet spot is the sixth seed. Why, mm. you ask? Because you get to play Sacramento in the first round. And let's be honest, as great of a story that Mike Brown and those kids have been, and it's the best story maybe in the NBA, longest drought in the NBA, Mike Brown deserves coaching year. If it's not unanimous, he got robbed of that award. But they haven't been there yet. And you look at those teams lurking, Ben, right? You, you look at yeah. the Warriors, who's going to be whole with Andrew Wiggins coming back. You look at the Clippers. They're flaky. Let's see when uh, PG-13 comes back. Then you have the Lakers and the Pelicans. That is going to be fascinating, how they line up 5-8, through eight, because I think, to me, that is the sweet spot, is the sixth seed. The Suns are the four. They're the favorites to win the Western Conference. The Clippers in that fifth spot, 13-1. to one. The Dubs, their price growing shorter with the return of Andrew Wiggins expected this week, plus 
380. The Lakers even in the seventh spot at 12 to 1. All four of those teams, JY, that sit behind Sacramento in the standings have significantly shorter odds to win the Western Conference crown. Speaking of Golden State, for the Dubs, it's good to be at home where they have recorded a majority of their Dubs this year. An eight-point favorite for Golden State tonight inside the Chase Center against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are holding on to the fourth and final, that 10 spot in the Western Conference standings and that last spot in the Western Conference play in tournament. JY, how significant of a matchup is this for both OKC and Golden State tonight? Well, Golden State, because they want to hold on to that sixth seed, it's really paramount and important. For OKC, it's just a matter of for them, with not having Chet Holgrim this entire year, and for them tanking year after year after year, this would be an unbelievable accomplishment if they could hold on. Yeah. Now, here's the thing I would look out for. There have been reports coming out in the last 24 hours that Dallas, because of the fact that the top 10 pick, if it's 10 or less, they keep the pick. If it's 11 or more, it goes to New York. There's rumblings that they could be resting Kyrie and Luka. Tonight's game becomes significant. Because I will say this, if Oklahoma City finds a way to steal this game, you will see Luka and Kyrie shut down. I will call mm. it right now. They won't even go for it at their point because it's going to be really hard for them to get there. Do I think it happens? No. I think Golden State wins. I think they win going away. But interesting development with Dallas. A huge development for a team that was plus 550 to win the West just about two months ago after acquiring Kyrie Irving, now 120 to 1. JY, it's been a pleasure, my friend. All college basketball season and now NBA season long. We're not done in the association. We got the playoffs on the horizon, but a sincere thank you. More of the morning after. Up next. Fade away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here. The college basketball season has now come to a close. It is time for me to return to my strong suit. I kid. My handicapping of the association. I just found out that Joel Embiid is actually a couple of months younger than me. I guess that doesn't really shock anybody by any means. 29 years. I am also 29 years old. He was born in March. I was born in January of 1994. But I have known Joel Embiid dating back to his days at KU in Lawrence that I feel like I've known him so long. He should be older than me, but he's younger than me. I got to deal with that existential crisis another time. We are focusing, though, on Joel Embiid in the marquee matchup of the NBA slate tonight. In Philadelphia, the Sixers just a two-point favorite against the Boston Celtics. The C's in that two spot. The Sixers, the three seed currently in the East. Is this a potential Eastern Conference semifinal preview? We'll find out this evening. But before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NBA. Yeah, an NBA. Best bet. It is time for bye-bye-bye. 
Sometimes I don't think you need to overcomplicate things. Jamal Embiid's points prop is 31 and a half tonight against Boston. It's a lofty number, but he leads the NBA in scoring, averaging 33 points per game this year. Oftentimes, especially on this MVP stretch run for JoJo, we have seen his points prop up at 33 and a half, 34 and a half. It's come back down a little bit because for the previous four games consecutively, Joel Embiid has scored 28 or less points. This is a huge game for Philadelphia, as Kevin and JY laid out for you. I expect a huge performance to wrap up the MVP award for Joel Embiid tonight, going over 31 and a half points against Boston. That does it for a Tuesday on the morning after. I'm off tomorrow, but we'll be here starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time, live on sports.